Hello, everyone. You got David opposing the Matrix here. It is, um, well, let's look down here, 11.35 on Saturday night, uh, 9-4-2021, the 4th of September, 2021. What do you know? Time marches on. Okay. We used to have a teacher, when we'd look up at the clock, he'd say, time will pass, will you? <laughs> so uh, it's funny how people in our past, in our lives, you know, in the past have uh, have such an influence in our lives, even today, you know, little things that they said. Um, and that's why a good teacher is important. Uh, I had a teacher in uh, grade school, Mr. Sneeden. I think his name is Ron, Ron Sneeden. And we weren't allowed to call Ron, so I don't know. Anyway, um, very, very good teacher. He, he, he's the one who had us read Animal Farm and explained to us what it meant, um, which was really nice of him because it helped us. Little did he know he was helping us in the future to understand what was happening in our country today and what happened in the Soviet Union back in the 1917, uh, 1924. Um, yeah, so, yeah, he was a really good teacher. Missed him a lot. And, uh, every time I would go to the, uh, the Owens Valley in California to, you know, to fish, I would remember him because when I lived in New Jersey, he would always tell us that he would go to Bishop, California to fish. And that's where that's in Owens Valley. And uh, so anyway, it's funny how you had these build these little, these little webs and stuff go all over the place and you build on them. Anyway, tonight I want to discuss a few things. Okay. Um, we're going to talk about the weaponization of medicine, which it has become. Uh, we're going to talk about how um, you can change the law by changing the definition of terms and uh, suing Oregon government, which is really neat. Um, a lot of neat stuff going on here in Oregon. Uh, people have finally woken up and they're they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. So um, I was before the show. I want to apologize real quick if I need to. Um, there's this whole screen is busy. Uh, you got the you know, the alphabet back there and the, the, the bookshelf and, you know, those are going up and down. Those are going sideways over here. Um, you got the duck's blanket, which I am vehemently opposed to, uh, being I'm a Beavers fan. Hooray, Beavers. Um, it, you know, you just got a whole bunch of stuff. So, and then it's, then it's got this shirt that's going crossways up and down and everything else. So, um, keep your eye on the nose. Okay, you can't miss it. Um, anyway, so I want to talk about these things because I think they're important. I've always, oh, here, what I want to talk about is that, this is a prelude sort of, is that when I was in high school, I had a teacher that um, he was a vehement um, evolutionary uh, adherent, and he taught it like it was a religion. Well, I can't remember his name now. All right. Maybe that's a good thing. But, uh, and, you know, being a young and impressionable mind, probably about 16, 17, I believed it. I fell for it. Hook, line, and sinker. Um, I forsook um, all the things that I had learned in church, which wasn't much when I was younger because I went to an Episcopal church. My mother used to drag us there, and uh, literally. And, uh, you know, that's such a watered-down church. You know, you, you meet the – where you learn the rudimentary parts of Christianity – but also they mix in a lot of tradition with it too. So anyway, um, if you could throw the tradition out, remember and remember the um, the rudiments of the faith. That's good, and that's kind of what I did when I got older. But anyway, in high school I was, you know, 
I had this, uh, I was brainwashed into believing that uh, evolution was right. And boy, I fell for it hook, line, and sinker, like I said. And uh, that's not an earthquake. <laughs> Moved my leg. Um, and then I preached it to people. And I just hope that nobody really took it seriously. Because evolution is not something we should take seriously, you know? Um, anyway. So, and, and it's always touted as science. It's not science. It's pseudoscience. But it's always touted as science. You know, when you can, when you can uh, intermix the species, and I'm not talking about, um, you know, taking the head off of something and putting it on something else or whatever, but when you can take a bird and turn it into a frog, or a frog and turn it into a bird, or I should say a reptile because frogs are amphibians, um, a lizard and turn it into a bird. There we go. Um, and do it in a more natural way than gene manipulation, uh, then I'll believe in evolution. But that's manipulation. It's not evolution. And But it's touted as, as evolution, uh, helping us one species take an evolutionary step up to um, something else. And we're supposed to believe that this happened all by itself. Well, now, now they're touting that it was aliens that did it. And so they are trying to have some kind of accountability, but they're passing it off on uh, fallen angels. <laughs> and when you look at it, if you read the book of Enoch, uh, fallen angels did do that stuff. So, um, but still it wasn't any part of creation. It was just, uh, it was junk science that was uh, turned into something evil. Um, and another thing is, um, I'll, I'll get into the law changes um, later on, but the, uh, Good science is good, and, and good science will usually back up scripture, okay? And scripture will back up good science. <clears throat> Sir Isaac Newton proved that to be true. Um, a lot of the old, uh, older um, the, the uh, scientists that um, preceded what normal or what regular science is today um, all believed in a creator and um, that uh, mankind can manipulate the creation because uh, God allowed it and mankind could understand it, the uh, the creation because there were certain clues that he left and but you know it's 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 always it's always pulled take your little scalpel out and dissect, dissect God out of it well you know you can take God out of it but you're still, still there <laughs> you know you could take a physical resemblance of God out of it but the fact that something was created <clears throat> in the first place um shows that there's a God. So anyway, it's, it's a foolhardy way of trying to, to turn people into atheists and, and try to prove that God doesn't exist. But the more that they try to prove that, the more it seems that he comes out that he does exist. So, uh, and not only that, he wants to have a personal relationship with all of his creation too. <clears throat> but um, anyway, so I picked a couple of articles from uh, natural news. I'm really enjoying natural news. They have good writers, first of all, interesting subject matters and they seem to i don't know where they must scour the internet <laughs> for things and because uh, so, some of the stuff they come up with is stuff that i think you know but i am like oh well can, you know nobody's thought about that so you know i could i could either do my own research or put it on away for somebody else to, to put some research on there and i'm so busy anymore that you know the, the latter is more of a, a more viable um way of doing things than the former uh and it's nice to know that when you when you have an idea or when you, God puts an idea in your head that 
he's not just putting it in yours. He's putting it in the head of other heads of other people and, and causing them to understand what you, he's causing you to understand. And, um, I don't know. It's just, it's just a neat way that he works. So anyway, let's look at the weaponization of medicine. Cause well, cause that's what's happening. Okay. Um, if, unless you've been asleep for the last couple of years, at least, um, uh, and haven't seen what's going on with the COVID uh, vaccines, the COVID uh, um, illness itself. I almost call it a virus. I'm not going to do that. Um, unless you've been asleep or in a coma or something, haven't seen it, then then you know that uh, this thing is being used as a, a societally changing, a society changing tool. And, uh, and it's being used to manipulate people into a one world order, a new world order. Um, and a lot of people are fighting back against it. And that's what this uh, third article is going to be about. But uh, let's look at the weaponization of medicine, because this is a very interesting article. OK, <clears throat> the weaponization of medicine. And it was um, by their news editors, which means they got it. From, I think that they got it from a different stores. And <clears throat> I love the tags. Pardon me. So the tags biomedicine, bad science, conspiracy, deception. Emotional weakness, lies, peer review, um, politics, propaganda, science fraud, uh, scientific, social pressure, truth, and weaponization. Boy, you couldn't pick better words than that. Got to like the editors at this place. So the weaponization of medicine. Okay. This is going to go into some really neat stuff. So let's let's explore it together. Okay, shall we? Uh, Whether or not we can... uh, we can express it clearly or even perceive it clearly. I think nearly every adult grasps that medicine is being used as a weapon. And if you want to go to freemansperspective.com, there's an article there about this. Anyway, um, and they might be the original authors of this idea. Okay, so it continues. I am not a doctor, but I've been surrounded by medical professionals since my youth, beginning with my mom who's not only an RN, but head nurse at two different hospitals. I've also been involved with science for a long time. I'll be brief, making just five primary points, but we've been losing science and we've been losing medicine. That is flatly unacceptable. Okay, point number one, science is not consensus. Consensus. 10, 100 or a million people all draped in lab coats and saying the same thing does not make it so. In fact, it matters not at all. It's nothing but theater and it's anti-science. All science is really, all science is really is a process of testing ideas. It's not an organization. It's not based upon authority. As a matter of fact, it's inherently anti-authority. And it's very certainly not allied with power all that matters is science. All that matters in science are verifiable results and repeatable. For that matter, I might add into that. Uh, let's let's do a little thing here. Um, when they were creating the atomic bomb, there were some scientists that were kind of concerned about it. Not only that it could cause a chain reaction and maybe be out of control and destroy the Earth, which, thank God, never, it never happened, but also that it could be used for nefarious purposes. Uh, you might even consider the bombing of the two Japanese cities nefarious. I'm kind of up in the air about it. I know that 
back then they were worried about losing, you know, a million American soldiers fighting the Jap- on the Japanese mainland. And that's that's a valid worry, you know, valid concern. Um, but at the same time, wiping out, you know, half a million, upwards of half a million um, pedestrians or, you know, non-military people is, <laughs> you know, where, where do you draw the line or do you draw the line? Okay. So science is not consensus, no matter how many people believe it. If it's not real science, it's not real science. Um, this is not the Wizard of Oz. You can't close your eyes, click your heels, and make make believe that something um, is where you are or is what you are um, and have it come true. Sorry, but that's in fairy tales, and fairy tales, for the most part, aren't real. And uh, if you want to live in fairy tales, that's fine, but don't pass it along to other people and try to convince us that your delusion is right. Okay. <clears throat> Number two, medicine stands apart from and above politics. Medicine is an application of science to the furtherance of human health. Politics is the usual politics is the use of persuasion and power to rule the masses of humans. These are fully separate disciplines. To place politics over medicine is to subjugate and degrade medicine. It's a path backwards into darkness. I'll leave the details on this point to working medical practitioners who can provide them with far greater specificity. (laughs) I can never say that word. Specificity uh, than I can. Uh, provided they are not too frightened to do so. And let's see, that's just it. Now we'll go back into politics. If you if you say something that, you know, goes against what the uh, the uh, the grain is, so to speak, in uh, society and in medicine, you know, you're labeled as a heretic or you're you're um, you lose your license and you're you're outed. Um, talk to all the nurses in Oregon that are being fired nowadays um, because they wouldn't take the vaccine. Number three, peer review no longer means much. Again, I won't go into great detail, but peer review has been captured by academic hierarchies and almost fully separated from science proper. It has become a tool of institutional power wielded by academics who have sold out science for the favors of for the favors of power and politics. At one time, peer review referred to the honest replication of experiments. That time has passed. It shouldn't be, but it is. That's a shame, too, because, you know, that's what science kind of was. That was a building block of science. If you did something, you introduced it to your peers who then looked at your experiments and tried to reproduce them. And if they could, then great. You know, if they couldn't, then they they wrote back to you and said, hey, we couldn't do this. What did you do? And you'd write back and say, well, this is what I did. And then they try that. And if it worked, great. If not, and you, you kept going down and down and down and down the road of that until finally, if, if your peers couldn't make something work that you made work or supposedly made work, um, then it was just written off as unaccomplishable. Okay. Number four, medicine and science have nothing to do with social pressure. Once medicine and science are mixed with social pressure, They are no longer science or medicine. At that point, they are instruments of thuggery and nothing more, which is true. Look what's happening now. (laughs) If you oppose Anthony Fauci and you have a a grant from the government, you might lose that grant. 
if you oppose what's going on with the vaccine and stuff like that, you're humiliated and then you lose your license. Um, so you have to stay in line with what the government wants you to say. And that's why a lot of doctors, um, they, I remember when this whole COVID thing started, my doctor was pressuring me, you need to get the vaccine. You need to get, well, why do I need to get the vaccine? Well, they say it's, it's good. You know, it's, well, they are the white coats that we mentioned above. <clears throat> and, uh, so doctors are pressured into listening to the American Medical Association and other organizations that that um, that cater to the public and uh, through political pressure, and uh, and it's it's political pressure all the way down the line, right till it gets to your family doctor, and then it's political pressure further from that because it it goes to you, and then you start believing oh my doctor's smart you know and he's. Um, He's got diplomas on the wall that he went to medical school. And, it's, and a lot of doctors do, and well, all doctors do, actually, if they're, if they're licensed. And um, and they are smart. They're smart people. But where they lose their intelligence is when they start listening to other people and don't want to do the work to, to look into things to make sure that they're okay. Um, if I was a doctor, I by today's criteria, I couldn't be one because I would hear something that didn't quite jive with what I believed or what I've seen because doctors see a lot of things that, you know, the AMA and others um, <clears throat> do not on a daily basis <clears throat> or on a, you know, a professional basis. And uh, doctors would love to uh, basically experiment, you know, um, if you go in and you can't breathe. Okay. What is it? It could be your heart. Or it could be your lungs. Okay. So then they test your lungs. They, they put you through all kinds of breathing um experiments basically uh can you how long can you blow out can you blow out can you suck all the way in and then blow it all out um if you can do all that stuff okay well then we're going to send you to a cardiology clinic and we're going to see if it's your heart um you know it's a process it really is and it's a it's a scientific process um a lot of people would say it's a guessing game but there are so many factors that could lead to shortness of breath um there's pneumonia there's asthma there's bronchial uh, bronchial pneumonia there's bronchitis there's that's just the lung stuff you know um, there's CHF congestive heart failure there's um, there's tons of stuff that that the heart does that could be manifest in not being able to breathe because your heart works with your lungs and vice versa so anyway it, doctors I, I really appreciate them because they're willing to do that and to to look into everything that they possibly can. And they don't always have the answers, but most of the time they, they come up with something and it works. At least that's been my experience. Uh, so, but the one fault that doctors have, like I said, they, they listen to people that they're, they're told they have to listen to. The American, American Medical Association, the Centers for Disease Control, um, to some degree, the World Health Organization's doctors read stuff like crazy from these different organizations. I mean, I, you know, being a nurse, I receive stuff from some of those organizations and then from nursing concerns and stuff like that. You, you could sit down all week and read, you know, but a doctor is responsible to do that. So is a nurse for that matter. But um, rarely do you have the time to do it. So you try to pick the things that are most, that seem the most important. And a lot of times you get it right. Most of the time I should say. Um, anyway, number five, if you don't read multiple scientific papers, especially from rebels and cast outs, you simply don't know. 
You could pretend you know, of course, and you could be sure that agents of the status quo will provide you with um, passable reasons to repeat their slogans, but you won't actually know. I think I just talked about that. <laughs> what you see on TV is propaganda. What you see on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube is pre-censored. If you want to really know, you have to find the scientific papers that address your question. And you'll need papers that are rejected by televised authorities or radio or whatever. If you don't, all you have is pre-censored conclusions, the underlying facts, which may or may not be reliable. Okay. At this point, if you don't include conspiracy theory research, you're more than less stuck with Orwellian ministry of truth, sadly, but mostly true. Um, years ago, I became friends with uh, a couple. Actually, I worked with the wife. Um, they're from Armenia. Had two lovely boys, David and Martin. And um, so I became real friendly with them because they were nice people. And, you know, they were assimilating into American culture very well, I might add. And um, they weren't the kind that came here and expected to change our culture to theirs. They they came here to be free. Um, and, and they excelled at doing it, too. Um, but... Uh, so one day I was complaining about the news, even back then. And this is like, jeez, uh, when would this have been? Like the late uh, 95, 96, right around there, 1995, 1996. And, and I frustrated with the news and I expressed it to her. And she goes, oh, it was the same way back in Armenia, in the Soviet Union and everything else. She goes, they, you, they tell you what they want you to know. Okay. And those, that, very short sentence really summed up everything that we're seeing in the press today. They tell you what they want you to know, not what you need to know, but what they want you to know and what they want you to know, what you need to know are two different things, especially with this COVID stuff that's going on and just about everything else that the, the press spews out nowadays, the mainstream media. Um, so a wise person, my dad once said that, uh, what was it? A wise man learns from his mistakes, but an even wiser man learns from the mistakes of others. Now, you can take that and kind of um, change it around to um, a wise man learns from what he sees, but an even wiser man learns from what other people have seen. Okay? And I'm not talking about the mainstream media. So I'm talking about people that, like they said, are outcast, um, cast outs. I can't remember where it was. It was up there somewhere. Um, yeah, cast outs and rebels, they call them. And I'm proud to be one of those, actually. Uh, and if you look at the communist society when they take over, who do they first get rid of? The intellectuals, the ones that can deba debate them and win, the ones that can prove that their form of government is wrong or their beliefs are wrong or, or what they're trying to institute is wrong. Okay, get rid of those. And then all you have is people that don't know... You have people that want want the uh, the government line, and you have people that don't know, but soon will accept the government line. And then you have a small minority that still isn't going to believe the government. And those people are sought out, and they're thrown into labor camps and everything else. So um, we're starting to see that in the United States. You know, there are people that don't tow the party line are being ridiculed, and um, and sometimes, well, look at all the nurses here in Oregon. You know, the ones that are, are refusing to take the injection, the, the death jab, I should call it. And uh, they, they were given a deadline to get it. They said no. And they're all being placed on um, unpaid leave. And because they're being placed on unpaid leave, they can't get unemployment. 
And uh, so anyway, they, they'll manage. You know, most RNs that <clears throat> that I know <clears throat> have put a lot of money away because they make a lot of money. And uh, they could probably survive quite a long time. Um, it's a shame because I've got a nursing license now. And I, even though I'm retired, if I wanted to go back in there, I can't do it because, you know, well, you, have you had your vaccine? No. Okay, well, then go apply somewhere else. You know, <laughs> it's like, okay, so, you know, I'm going to have to take something. And it's just as well, too, because I'm retired and I really don't want to get back into full-blown nursing. But, um, you know, I have to retire or I have to resort, resort to something that's um, that's not going to pay as well, may not have benefits and everything else. But, you know, uh, every man that I, and woman that I've ever known have stuck up for their rights sooner or later has to uh, face the fact or face the facts that um, it ain't going to be easy. So, all right, let's continue with this article. I just got about, oh, I don't know, about that much left. <laughs> okay. Uh, the problem is emotional weakness, it says. The problem underlying all of this is not intellectual strength, it's emotional weakness. It's not that people are stupid, it's that they haven't the strength to face the unauthorized truth. Uh, first bullet point, having been trained in submission to authority, uh, to then speak against an authority is terrifying. And so people find ways to ignore truth, which has no backing but itself, and to sanctify authority, which is backed by everything from shame to guns. Number two, our bullet point number two, the fear of appearing stupid, of being publicly exposed as stupid, can be overwhelming, and with important people tearing up anyone not in lockstep with them, defiance seems too expensive. This is, these are all communist acts. <laughs> Just seeing here. Um, bullet point number three, power being wrong call power being wrong calls too much into question. Um, if the high and mighty can be publicly wrong repeatedly and adamantly, who can't be called, what can't be called upon, called into question, excuse me. And if everything can be questioned, one must face the world alone. And the fourth and last bullet point, once people act upon fear, they can either turn against it or admit their error or they can admit their error, they can defend their errors at length. And if people who thrive on those fears maintain a stream of frights and slogans, anyone on the other side becomes a heretic to be hunted down and forced to submit. Now these things have any con now of these things excuse me, none of these things have any connection to truth, only to power and intimidation, and that's is anti science, no matter how much it masquerades as science. Amen and hallelujah. I like when people print the truth. All right, let's go into something here now. Um, if if you've ever studied the Holocaust, um, and it's really the first thing that came to my mind. There's plenty of examples out there that I could use, but since I've got this one in my head, might as well use it. Because if I have to think, it's um, it's midnight now, and I really don't want to think. <laughs> uh, but in order to, for for the Nazis to excel in what they did, especially with the Jewish population, um, they had to demonize them. They had to dehumanize them. Okay, so you know Germany before the um, the Third Reich or before Hitler, 
was uh, more or less a free society and everybody had rights and everything else. And, um, then the Jews excelled in Germany before, um, before the 1930s, I should say. And, um, they were doctors, educators and everything else. But, uh, Hitler and his, his henchmen and, and, and he even goes back before Hitler. They, they, uh, what they did is they started to say that Jews weren't human. They weren't completely human. Uh, they were, they were a human and ape. Therefore, uh, when you take somebody's humanity away from them, it's easy to kill people, right? Uh, is it easier to pull the plug on a loved one or a human in a hospital or to give a dog an injection? Well, it's easier to give a dog an injection and put it out of its misery, right? Um, when you start involving humans with, with that kind of process, then there's a problem. And, you know, you st your conscience starts to work. And even with dogs, I mean, with me, that's a very hard thing for me to do. But other people have no problem with it because it's just an animal, right? My dogs are like kids to me. So um, anyway, so you dehumanize somebody and then you can change the laws to where the laws only apply to humans. And if a person's not all the way human, according to your new rules and regulations, and your definitions, um, then it's easier to send them to camps and, and experiment on them and send them to the ovens because you're not really dealing with human beings. And I think that's what happened in Germany. I know that's what happened in Germany. Um, it's happened in this country too, you know, um, with the, the blacks in this country. Um, they were free, They were never seen as humans when they were animals, when they were um, slaves. Sorry, uh, I didn't know why I said that. <laughs> Um, when they were slaves, they were never seen as humans. Uh, they were seen as a subspecies. And after they were freed from slavery, well, that subspecies, nobody wanted any part of them. You know, um, there was afraid they were afraid of um, intermarriage and stuff like that. And, and I can understand that. You know, people just want to be what they are and not um, not be forced to be something else. So I don't condone it totally, but I understand it. So anyway. Um, so, you know, 100 years later, they were still kind of downtrodden, although they had made significant advances, but not enough to assimilate them properly into society. Um, so then the civil rights thing happened. And then there, were, there was a forced assimilation into society. And so that makes the, the people that are being forced to accept um, not so happy. And the people that are being, being ex forced to be accepted aren't happy either because they know that this is going to cause problems, you know? And, uh, so anyway, it was a big mess, but, um, uh, so, you know, being forced to accept people for that, you don't never necessarily want to accept. And I'm just speaking from a human standpoint, not my own, not my own, um, philosophy. I try to understand humanity and believe me, it's hard sometimes. Um, and I'm human, and so are you. And I'm sure that you have a hard time understanding uh, humanity, especially with what's going on these days. But um, so anyway, if you change the law, you change the way people look at somebody or something. Uh, you have no problem with trying to get rid of that somebody or something, uh, or getting them to accept something because you have more rights than they do. Okay, and that's what's happening in Israel. The the, the leader class over there. The government, for the most part, and some rabbis um, try to assert their authority over the people of Israel. And that part of that acceptance is 
taking this vaccine. Now, Netanyahu, when he was prime minister over there, actually made a deal with Pfizer. <laughs> I mean, making a deal is one thing, but, you know, condemning your whole population of possible death is uh, something else. And I think that when all is said and done, uh, Netanyahu is probably going to be brought up on um, crimes against humanity, as rightfully he should. Uh, which is hard for me to say because I defended that guy and stood up for him for many, many years. But when he did this, um, when he when he made a deal with Pfizer that he would take their vaccine at a reduced cost in exchange for all the medical information from Israel to go to Pfizer, you know, he was uh, right away. I started to get images of um, Dathan and uh, I can't remember Dathan's brother um, trying to sell out the Israelites when they were leaving Egypt or any number of times that people tried to sell out the uh, the Jewish people uh, who were Jews. They tried to sell them out. Um, so anyway, I'm really, I've really got angst with what's going on in Israel right now uh, because they, because they forced their whole population and many of which became vaccinated with two shots. Um, some others that, you know, are free thinkers and stuff didn't do it, but they're really being pro- persecuted over there. Uh, you know, not being allowed to go into stores. They don't have their little COVID passports. Uh, so, you know, there's there's only certain times that they can go to stores and uh, and they have to stay in their houses all the time. You know, to me, that's like house arrest, you know, and house arrest is just just a, a step away from regular arrest. Uh, and when you're arrested in a regular arrest, you're sent to a, a facility, you're sent to a cage, basically. <laughs> And a big cage is called the concentration camp. So it's going to be interesting to see, actually terrorizing to see what's going to happen in Israel in days to come. Unless the Israelis get up and um, get up in arms and just totally resist what's going on. But uh, unfortunately, as Israelis, like well, most Jewish people, you know, I can speak for this, um, think that the government has been placed into power by God. And so you're supposed to obey the government. Well, that didn't work very good back in the 40s, did it? Um, you know, they willingly just, well, maybe hesitantly, but still uh, left their, their things and just um, piled on the railroad cars and went to prison camps. You know, it's there were a few Jews that, um, that rebelled, uh, you know, and they, they actually formed um, underground groups and stuff like that. But for the most part, everybody just gave up. And a lot of the, unfortunately, I think a lot of it's because the rabbis coerced them to, to be nonviolent. And uh, I don't know, it never works out. So anyway, there's an article by the, um, in Natural News. And it was published by Arsenio Toledo. Um, Toledo is uh, many times a Jewish last name, by the way. Um, and it was acquired by Jews that lived in Spain. Here's the Toledo, Spain. Uh, yeah, Toledo's not just in Ohio, it's in Spain. And that's where the name comes from. But um, a lot of Jews took on the names of cities when they lived over there. And uh, Toledo happened to be one of them anyway. Uh, and it was published on September 3rd, 2021, yesterday. Wow, I'm behind on my reading with uh, this uh, natural news. I have to do something about that. Um we're just really busy now here. <laughs> really, really, really busy. Um, anyway, so let's start reading, shall we? Or I shall. Uh, the government of Israel has changed the definition of fully vaccinated to mean a person who has received three doses of Wuhan coronavirus vaccine. All right, put on the brakes. 
used to be they were fully vaccinated if they had two. So what are they doing? They're changing the um, the definition of fully vaccinating. So all those people that had received the the death shots, both of them, um, and had complied with the, what the Israeli government wanted, are now, um, according to this, although there's probably a grace period, uh, they're lawbreakers. And it even says in here something about the, well, I'll, I'll continue reading, you'll see, but the, um, the passports, the COVID passports. And in quotes here, we are updating what it means to be vaccinated, said Dr. Uh, Salman um, Zarka, Israel's coronavirus czar. <laughs> what a job. Okay. The Israeli government is also co- uh, coercing people into getting the COVID-19 booster doses. It's going is doing this by saying that those who do not get the boosters will face restrictions on dining out, traveling, and other activities. Okay, and there's an article, a related article. Israel warns vaccine passport will expire in six months if residents don't get COVID-19 booster dose. Interesting. Okay, lawmakers in a Middle Eastern country claim without evidence that claim without evidence that getting everybody three doses of COVID-19 vaccine is the only way to avoid another economically devastating coronavirus lockdown. Well, you're the ones that are locking them down, so you have control over that. So what, that's so stupid. You know, it's remember your parents do as I say, not as I do. You know, that's what that reminds me of when you're growing up, you know, it doesn't matter that, you know, I'm corrupt. <laughs> I want you to be perfect and don't worry about me. Anyway. Um, and there's a quote here. I don't want to impose a lockdown and I will avoid a lockdown at all costs. Yeah. Right. Said um, Minister of Health uh, Nitsan Horowitz, everything is open, but we need masks and we need vaccines. Okay, that's an ultimatum, and it'll stay open unless you get the vaccines, and I'm going to shut them down. See, they, <laughs> yeah, they need to put the rest on there, but you know, we can get from what he said what he actually meant. Okay, Israel had one of the fastest va- mass vaccination programs in the world. This quickly propelled the country into becoming one of the world's most vaccinated countries. But this is not, this did not prevent new COVID-19 cases from appearing. And by early June, the number of new coronavirus infections in Israel started surging again. Hmm. Could it be that the vaccine doesn't work? Maybe it's not even a vaccine. Maybe it's a tool of manipulation or something worse. Okay, data published by the Israeli government showed that the uh, Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine, the main COVID-19 vaccine the country uses, was just 16% effective at preventing symptomatic infection for people who are fully vaccinated earlier in the year. So why get the vaccination, you know? Well, there's a reason for that. Um, And I think you and I know that, depopulation. Okay, despite the evidence showing that vaccines do not help new COVID-19 cases, the Israeli government is still pushing through with plans to vaccinate as many people as possible and to give the fully vaccinated an additional dose of the vaccine. The first poison didn't kill you. Take this poison. Okay, I should do that, Jerry. The first vaccine did not kill you. You must take the second vaccine. It will kill you. Okay. As of August 31st, 62.4% of Israel has received at least two doses of the COVID-19 vaccine. 
Another 5.7% of people have received just one dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. No clear data is available regarding how many Israelis have received the booster dose, but Israeli uh, officials claim over 2 million out of Israel's population of 9.3 million already received a third dose. Oh, those poor people. Scripture talks about people being led as lamb to the slaughter. Um, Israelis fear additional vaccination requirements could hurt the economy. Business owners in Israel are afraid that the additional COVID-19 vaccination requirements will result in unnecessary complications with their businesses. Their main concern is how the change in vaccination status will affect holders of the vaccine passports, known as Green Pass. Israeli officials recently announced that holders of the Green Pass must get a third dose or risk their pass expiring. (laughs) I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh. Uh, Ray Shadur, a uh, 50-year-old restaurant owner in the city of Ramat Gan, said uh, his customers have been dwindling since the Green Pass was instituted. Um, This is because his customers prefer to order in rather than to get the required vaccination or negative COVID tests for their children who are not yet eligible to get the green pass. It's just the part that hurts without the medicine, said Siddur. Um, Why are we the first country to do this? Asked Tovatel Magan, 28, who works in a cafe in Jerusalem and disagrees with the booster doses. They They are doing experiments on a sea. It's too bad you had to get two, two experiments before you figured it out. Um, if another lockdown were to occur, it's estimated that at least one in every four small and medium-sized businesses in Israel will be significantly affected. This is according to Obed Chen. Excuse me, I, I knew I was going to do that. Oded Chen. Obed is another name in Israel. Um, a top Israeli lawyer and expert in the field of insolvency bankruptcy. And restrict, if restrictions are reintroduced, Chen said, the expected debt um, debt value in businesses will reach an additional four billion Israeli sh- new shekels, or 1.24 billion dollars. Um, a lot of bit the businesses um, whose debt value will increase will most likely will barely survive the latest lockdown, and already op- operating at a deficit but another lockdown could cause them to shut down completely. In 2020 alone, around 24,000 debt and legal aid cases were opened, nearly 10,000 of which were related to bankruptcy and insolvency. And it says learn more about mass vaccination situation in Israel by reading the latest articles at vaccine.news. Whew. Folks, look at this. Look what's happening in Israel, because it's going to happen here if we don't stop this madness. You know, and there's there are a lot of people that are starting to get into stopping the madness. It's uh, uh, unfortunately it's taken a while, but uh, still Americans are starting to wake up and see that, you know, this is a dictatorship in the making. And um, and we're, we're not made to be a dictatorship. Uh, the Constitution does not um, does not support a dictatorship, nor does it condone one. And um, so what they're trying to do is enslave us like they're doing to the Israelis. And um, I would hope that the Israelis would fight back. But because they're, you know, if you've ever been there, they're very opinionated people, uh, very opinionated. <laughs> uh, we were on a Jerusalem train one day and uh, some guy, older guy was in there, or got on there and uh, with his wife. 
And, you know, it's, it's traditional, even in Israel, when you get on one of those things, if you're a young, younger person, you get out of your seat and let the old woman sit down and the old guy too. Uh, however, this one person was not going to do it. <laughs> the old guy just went ballistic on him, um, yelling at her in Hebrew. And I'm glad I didn't know Hebrew that well. And, uh, even spat on him. And I was like, whoa, that guy's, now I don't know what I mean by spitting mad. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, Anyway, it was it was quite interesting. And uh, so finally, everybody just kind of got together and told the young people, why don't you get up and let the old people sit down? And then they did. And uh, again, there's truth. There's uh, strength in numbers. Right. And there's truth in numbers, too. Um, if, the, if the people that are in numbers are searching for or are biting in the truth. OK, let's go to our third article and last. And we'll discuss something for a little while. Um as you know, I live in the state of Oregon, or the People's Republic of Oregon, and we have a dictator named uh, Oberfuhrer Brown. A lot of us call her the Brown Stain. Um, and if you're watching this uh, before breakfast or before any meal and you see this picture here, or you see the picture of Kate Brown, actually, because I'm not showing this online, maybe I'm doing you a favor. Uh, but if you go to the article, it's in the Oregonian. Um just kind of scroll down real fast so you don't have to see this picture because this woman has always been grotesque looking and and day by day she's getting worse. She's turning into Skeletor, um, literally. Um, and she happens to be wearing glasses that are shaped like stop signs, which I think is a very good uh, symbology of, uh, of who she is and what she's doing. She's putting the brakes on Oregon, basically. Um, okay. So this article is uh, titled um, Oregon State Police Troopers Firefighters Sue Governor Kate Brown Over COVID-19 vac Vaccine Mandates. Um, it was updated on September 3rd, 2021 at 4.07 p.m. It's published on September 3rd, 2021 at 11.22 a.m. Um, I'm looking for an author. Uh, it's probably just one of the people on, on the Oregonian staff. Anyway. Okay, it says nine Oregon State Police Troopers and more than two dozen state firefighters on Friday sued Governor Kate Brown over her COVID-19 vaccine mandate for state workers. The lawsuit was filed on behalf of the Fraternal Order of Police as well as Troopers uh, Tom Burke. Oh, he's giving her names. Tom Burke. Well, these are heroes, folks, for us. Okay, so every time we hear a name, go hooray or something. Troopers Todd Burke, Dan Chick, uh, Chick, Chichester, uh, Corey Sweet, Jared Coates, Michael Hansen, Brian Glazer, uh, Major Crime Team Sergeant uh, Darren Ledick, uh, Sergeant Mike Berland, and Captain Ryan Martin. They live all around the state from Portland to Prineville. Prineville is in the middle of the state. Uh, on the, on the conservative side, out in the desert. Really beautiful out there, by the way. Um, okay, let's continue. An association representing firefighters based in Klamath Falls is also named as a plaintiff. The firefighters work at uh, Kingsley Field, home of the 173rd Fighter Wing of the Oregon Air National Guard. The suit seeks to stop the enforcement of Brown's mandate and comes two days after an Oregon, Oregon State Police Trooper based in Bend announced on social media that he would defy the order. Oh, I got to look that up. Um, maybe we can. Let me see where it's on. Oh, okay. Maybe we can check that out. 
uh, Oregon Live's kind of weird, and if you don't have a um, an account with them, they don't let you look. But we'll try. Um, okay, Trooper Zachary Cowing was placed on paid leave Wednesday after the video, which he took in uniform in his patrol car. Uh, and that's when that came to light. Uh, the lawsuit was filed in Jefferson County Circuit Court. Jefferson County is one of the free counties, folks. It's uh, one of the counties that wants to join Idaho, basically, um, where one of the troopers lives. It says, a spokesman for Brown declined to comment on the suit. Yeah, of course. Uh, this lawsuit has nothing to do with efficacy of the vaccine at this point, said Dan Thienen, uh, the lawyer representing the troopers and firefighters. It has to do with having their jobs held over their heads. The troopers um, and firefighters allege that Brown's order, which applies to executive branch employees, including all um, employees working for the Oregon state agencies, violates state and federal constitutional right to free expression. And there's a quote here, with very few exceptions, none of which apply here, all speech and expressive conduct are constitutionally uh, protected. The lawsuit says plaintiff's uh, right to control their own medical destinies is both ex- in is both expressive speech in the form of opposition to COVID-19 uh, vaccine and expressive conduct in opposing the vaccine uh, mandate. I got I got a thought to uh, note to self tell story after article. Um, the employees allege that the state prohibits employers from requiring vaccines as a condition of the employment and that firing state workers for failing to comply with Brown's orders is illegal. The individual plaintiffs are executive branch employees who want to exercise control over their own medical treatment and are being forced to choose between their rights, privileges, and liberties as citizens of on, on the one hand and their employment careers and future financial futures on the other, the suit says. The suit comes as Oregon suffers a deadly surge of COVID-19 cases. Here we go. This is the left spin. The suit comes as Oregon suffers a deadly surge of COVID-19 cases fueled by highly contagious Delta variant. Hospitals and their intensive care units are filled to capacity and over, especially in counties uh, with high rates of unvaccinated people. I got to stop this and tell you guys something. There are, has always been a lack of ICU beds in Oregon, okay? There are some in Eugene, and there are some probably in Medford, and, and there are several of them in, in uh, Portland. But Oregon is notorious for having a lack of uh, hospital beds. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, every effort to build a new hospital has had some kind of um, injunction put on it, uh, whether it be environmental or what. Um, so, you know... <laughs> You don't build a hospital here, but then when a crisis like this happens or a supposed crisis, uh, they start crying, oh, well, you we don't have enough hospital beds. Well, you know, stupid is as stupid does, Governor Brown. Um, you liberals have had this state too long, and you need to give it up. And uh, you know, come hook or crook, um, come hell or high water, um, the conservatives are going to take the state back, and uh, God help you people when we do. Um Okay, we go. According to the latest data released by the Oregon Health Authority, 2,449 new cases and 27 deaths were reported Thursday. The state noted that 84% of the cases between August 22nd and August 28th were unvaccinated people. That's baloney. I happen to know that there's people that have died and have been vaccinated here. 
and I haven't known anybody that's unvaccinated that's died from it. And I live here, okay? Um, longtime Portland labor lawyer Will Atkinson, uh, I think it's pronounced right, expressed skepticism about the merits of the legal challenge to the mandate, accusing Thurnell in a blistering letter late last month of circulating false information to police and firefighters. Atkinson told um, Thurnell that he is moving into negotiations over mandates on behalf of the police in, in multiple states and that mandatory vaccine programs do not violate the state, federal constitution, or state law. <sighs> Sorry, I get frustrated. Um, early, early, early indications are that employees who are terminated for noncompliance with vaccine program may be unable to collect unemployment insurance, and in some states may even face loss of police certification, that's if they're police, he wrote to Thanel in a letter obtained by the Oregonian or an Oregon Live. Uh, These drastic consequences put a premium on the accuracy of our advice as lawyers. The last thing we want, to, want is for Oregon, the Fraternal Order Police members, and other public employees to have false hopes in litigation, uh, litigation challenging vaccine mandates. Uh, Thanel told the Oregon or Oregon slash Oregon Live that uh, Atkinson uh, offered his views before reading the lawsuit. Thanel said the appraisal, the apprised police and firefighters about the legal uh, landscape involved in the challenges of the man, challenging the mandate. Okay. They have gone into this lawsuit with eyes wide open about the strength and weaknesses, he said. No one has provided false hope. No one has provided guarantees. I don't file frivolous lawsuits. Lewis and Clark law professor Tong Yin called the lawsuit's First Amendment claims problematic because the governor does not prohibit the troopers and firefighters from speaking out or writing in their, uh, their opposition to vaccines. Well, how come the guy got fired from doing it in his patrol car then? Oh, nothing prevents them from speaking their beliefs, he said. He said the question is whether their refusal to comply constitutes, a, constitutes free speech or if it's simply that they don't want the vaccine. Okay. Story time. Opposing a matrix story time. Okay. I used to work for Oregon State Hospital. And I have always been anti-vax, as far back as I can remember anyway. Probably about probably about since 2015, really anti-vax. Before then, I you know, if I had to get a vaccine, I did, but I really tried not to. Um, but anyway, I was on Facebook, and this is the some of the peril about having a Facebook account. Um, and somebody made an idiotic statement, and this was before COVID-19. This had to do with uh, children getting vaccines and then getting uh, a variety of different ailments. And I expressed that uh, that vaccines were dangerous and I didn't like them. And I told some other user who is obviously like the world's biggest libtard that, uh, you know, they could take that and stuff it as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, granted, it wasn't the right thing to say, probably. I could have said it a lot nicer uh, or inferred different things. But uh, anyway, I let it go with that. Well, about three months goes by. Yeah, maybe two months. And um, I get called in my boss's office. Actually, it's a Friday, and he's not there. And I'm told he's coming in on Saturday. And everybody was like, ooh, he's coming in on Saturday. This isn't going to be good. When Larry comes in on Saturday, not good. Um uh, I said, okay, well, whatever. I'm prepared for whatever he throws at me. I really don't care anymore. 
I was, I got to admit, I was still a little nervous, you know, my job paid pretty good and I liked it and, and I didn't want to get fired and, and I didn't, but, um, so he came in on Saturday and he goes, can I see you for a minute? And I'm like, okay, here it comes. I have absolutely nothing, no idea what he's going to talk about. You know, did a patient complain against me about me Did uh, you know, did a coworker complain about, you know, so I went in there about worrying about those things, not really vaccine stuff. And, and he says, sit down, you know, this is okay. Don't worry. Everything's fine. It's okay. <laughs> Maybe you feel good right there. And he said, and it was really, I wanted to laugh right there. He says, well, I got a report from my boss's 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 boss. And if you realize who this guy is, his, it, by the time we got done with boss's bosses, we're talking about probably right under, if not directly from Kate Brown. Because, uh, you know, if you just follow the trail up, that's where it went. Um and by the amount of uh, bosses, bosses he gave me. And I said, okay, what's going on? He says, well, he says, you have a Facebook account. I said, yeah, I've got several. And uh, he says, well, you made a comment on one of them saying that you were anti-vaccine. And uh, somebody got offended by that. And they contacted um, the state of Oregon and complained about you. He says, I got to admit, you hid your identity really well. He said, because it took a long time for them to figure out who you were. And I'm like, wow, that's kind of a, that's kind of a compliment. Thank you. And because uh, I kind of pride myself in trying to do that. And he just confirmed that I did. <clears throat> but they still found me. They're going to anyway, right? Um, I imagine some flunky working in the, in the technology department in the state of Oregon, uh, was tasked with that. He, he followed it all the way back till he found a server I posted from. But anyway, um, so he says, all, all they're asking you to do, and I was totally okay with this. He said, all they're asking you to do is to, um, to remove the post. I said, is that all? He said, yeah. And he said, and then take off on your profile that you work for this, the, the state of Oregon. He says, because it looks like you're representing the state of Oregon now. And I went ahead and did that because I, you know, it, it wasn't worth fighting and I needed my job at the time. Um, but I go down here and I read that uh, where it says, um, let's see. It's talking about they're allowed to express their dissatisfaction. Um, if they dis don't disagree with, or if they don't agree with something. Anyway, it said it here some, oh, here it is. With few exceptions, none of which apply here, all speech and expressive conduct are constitutionally protected. The lawsuit says plaintiff's right to control their own medical destinies is both expressive speech and in the form of opposition to COVID-19 vaccine and expressive con conduct in opposition to the vaccine is vaccine mandate. Okay, but up ahead, up above, rather, talking about some guy that was fired because he was in his patrol car talking about it. Well, he was talking about that he didn't like it and he was opposing it. All right, I'm assuming anyway. Um, now, if he was calling the governor, you know, a big brown cow and, you know, and, and stuff like that, you know, that's inflammatory and I can understand it. But, you know, a police officer, I think, is going to show some act of decorum when he's talking. Okay. Just like the uh, firefighter down in Los Angeles that we played his video the other day. Um, it really, he really struggled, but he kept it in context and he kept in line and didn't get accusatory for the most part. Um, so no, um, if that guy could get fired and, and I, and they would have fired me if I would have refused to remove that post. So 
no, I don't want to hear that garbage about we have the right to say anything we want to in this state because if he got fired and I was basically threatened with being fired if I didn't remove that, um, I didn't feel like going that far and everything. But anyway, if that's the case, then no, that's a bunch of horse hockey and you can get fired for speaking your mind, especially if you're dressed in your police uniform in your patrol car. Um, and that took a lot of guts. It really did. Um, but if you voluntarily supply your name and who you work for, then uh, the state is going to go after you. I'm sorry, but they're going to because they're going to say that you represent the state of Oregon or whatever state you work for, as the case may be, uh, because you're one of their agents. And, yeah, so don't believe that crap, okay? Don't believe it because they'll fire you faster than you can say um, Kate Brown. Um, okay, so... Anyway, that was my little story. Uh, it happened to me, and uh, it was a it was a warning shot that was fired across my bow, basically. And uh, you know, it was like, okay, you will keep quiet from now on. <laughs> and uh, but you know what? In all fairness, I did remove that. I worked for the state of Oregon, and uh, and I, I posted stuff freely after that. Nobody really went after me. So, but um, anyway, there was no culpability because I I wasn't associated with the state of Oregon. Um, man, I, I, my blood pressure goes up just talking about that. Cause I remember how I felt that day. Um, but I was kind of relieved too, that, uh, you know, no recourse was going to be taken against me. So, um, anyway, you know, what really gets me is that, you know, okay. So, uh, COVID is a public health crisis, right? Um, and you're going, yeah. Um, and, well, actually, they've made it into that. Not that it really is, but um, and so you would expect the people that are telling you that it's a public health crisis and that you need not you need to wear a mask and you need to keep from gathering with a whole bunch of people and uh, and stuff like that that they would be people that practice safe health. Okay, um, but if you get a chance, go to the um, this the uh, head medical officer for the state of Oregon. Uh, the guy's a flaming liberal. I mean, flaming uh, homosexual. And uh, the last time I looked, you know, they practice unsafe sex. And and we're not going to go into where where it happens in what area of the body. But if you're if you're over 12 years old, you probably know all about that. Been educated about it. But um, and if you read the Bible, of course, you know that there's a there's a penalty against it. God hates it doesn't hate the person he hates their acts so anyway um so here's a guy that practices unsafe sex obviously um and probably i'm not going to say that because i don't know that for sure but he may in my opinion um sanction others to do the same thing or teach them to do the same thing um i don't know that for sure i'm going to come out and say that but uh that usually accompanies the lifestyle okay uh, so you have him telling you what you got to do to be medically <laughs> safe. And I'm like, okay, this doesn't make any sense. But, you know, considering that they're liberals and that liberalism is a mental disorder, I can understand where it's coming from. I don't have to agree with it, but I can understand where it's coming from and uh, and state categorically that it's, it's dead wrong. Okay. Okay. So that was the Oregonian. So, oh, we've done all our reading, I guess. Oh, I wanted to go into this, see if I can get into this one um what this guy said. Oh, yeah, there he is. Oh, 
It wants me to sign in. Gosh darn it. Okay, maybe I can find it somewhere else because I really want to. Okay. Now I lost the article. Okay, there's more than one way to get around this. State Trooper Post Video. Okay. So I'm going to go here. I've become quite, a, quite a adept at doing this. Post video. Actually, it takes me right to it, right to the Oregonian. Okay, this is from a, a television station, I think, in Bend. Ah, and I'm not locked out. Okay. <laughs> See, there's a way to get around everything. The advantage of being an Italian-American or part Italian-American. Uh, you seem to have a God-given um, ability to get around things. Ooh. There's actually a video. We can listen to it. Two minutes and 35 seconds. Okay, let me uh, <clears throat> give me a chance. I'm going to go in and, and hit the share on this. Share screen. Okay, I understand. Let's proceed. Go here. Uh, let's see. Oh, goodness. Which one is? Okay, Bend. OSP. Okay. He's with the Oregon State Police, too. That's even better. Oh, you know what I did? Hey, I caught it, folks. I caught it. Um, let's get rid of this. Actually, no, I just got to go back here. Bear with me, folks. I think this is going to be very important to share. Okay, I'm going to X out of that. Okay, share. I didn't hit the button that will allow the um, will allow the sound to be area share audio. Okay, Chrome. Okay, there's that. Share. Now we got it. Okay, vault. Else works good. Oh, you go vault. Okay, it's the same tab. Okay, should work. All right, so let me go here. Start this up. Put the good old earphones on. So I want to make sure that we're hearing it. Oh, Lord, let this work. Okay. Okay, Ben, um, Oregon State Police Trooper placed on leave over video saying he'll refuse to follow the state's vaccine mandates. Okay, we'll read the video or watch the video, and then if we have to, we'll... Um... Now... This is going to probably be small on your computer screen. You know, whoever, the person I'm talking to, you know who you are. <laughs> so I'm telling you right now, it's probably going to be small. So uh, bear with it, okay? Here we go. I'm a Christian, a husband, a father, and a police officer. I swore an oath to uphold the Constitution of the United States to protect the freedom of the people who pay my salary. I do not work for my governor, but for them. The governor elected to this beautiful state has ordered medical workers, teachers, and first responders to get the vaccine. I have personal and religious reasons as to why I will not take the vaccine, but also the freedom to choose not to. I'll likely get fired over this video, but I'm nonetheless exercising my First Amendment right to speak freely. 
I've fallen in line for over a year with these useless and effective mask mandates, and I will no more. I will not sit back and sheepishly watch as those who serve the people of the state are given unlawful orders which threaten their livelihoods should they choose not to fall in line. Discretion is one of the most important parts of my job as a police officer. I will use that discretion and I will not enforce useless mask mandates or unlawful vaccine orders. Hallelujah. Doing so is discrimination, which I would be fired for if it were any other discriminatory subcategory. Ms. Governor, I think you've forgotten that you were elected by the people, therefore you work for the people. The title governor does not give free reign to force medical decisions upon us. Police officer or not, an oath is permanent. I'll stand the blue line for the people I swore it to. If you're watching this video, I encourage you to look deep down and decide if you're going to fall in line as sheep or if you're going to stand up for the rights that we have for the short time we still have them. If you got the vaccine out of pure choice, that is your freedom. But if you got the vaccine out of fear, be careful. You are slowly giving up the freedoms that so many have fought for. Wow, wow, wow. That was awesome. You know, I used to have a beef with <clears throat> Oregon State Police because um, of the Leviathanicum thing that happened. And um, I've come to reconcile quite a while back that, um, that that was basing every Oregon State Police officer on uh, what it, two or three did. You know, they're not all murderers. They're not um, usurpers of the law. They're not uh, they're not tools in the hands of the FBI and stuff like that. Um, this guy proves it to me even more. So I thought that was quite interesting. Okay, let's see. Let's hide that. I am going to get that video later on, too, and save it because it's very important. Um I can share that later on with other people. I'll oh, get that thing off of there. I'm going to really quick scan that um, the article and see if there's anything else. He, he says he has a personal or religious reasons as to why I will not take this vaccine, but also the freedom not to, said Trooper. Said the Trooper. What's his name, anyway? He's been placed on paid administrative leave, yep, for posting a video on Instagram in which he says he will refuse to comply with Governor Kate Brown's vaccine mandate and decries unlawful orders that threaten Oregonians' livelihoods. His attorney said, oh, good, he's got, he, he lawyered up. That's good. <clears throat> I have personal and religious reasons as to why I will not take the vaccine, but also freedom not to, said the trooper, who's Portland attorney Dan Thin. Oh, Dan Thin. Oh, he thought we read about him earlier. Uh, confirmed to News Channel 21 is Zachary Cow. Oh, that's Zachary Cowing, 29. That guy can come to my house and we, I will cook him dinner anytime he wants, him and his family. <laughs> I mean it. Even if I'm dirt poor by that time, I'll feed him dinner. 
and it won't be a cheap dinner either. I'll, I'll do anything I have to in order to support this guy. So, um, Zachary uh, Cowling, um, if you're ever in my neck of the woods, and you could write to me and find out what that is, or you could probably just look me up, um, stop by, because you and I are going to have wonderful fellowship, because I'm a believer in Yeshua too, Jesus, and, um, and I share your convictions, and I share your concern, and I really, really honor what you did. You're a man. You're a man's man, and you're, you're a hero as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Oh, man. I get the chills up and down my spine. Uh, Cowing posted the two-minute, 35-second video about a week ago on his Instagram account, Thin Blue Line underscore Patriot, where he refers to himself as a pro, <clears throat> pro-choice life and pro-freedom and Save Oregon logo over, over the U.S. flag. Yeah, the video apparently was shot in his patrol car while he was in uniform, though Thinell noted that this does not give uh, he does not give his name in the video or on this account or, or identify the agency that employs him. Instead, he refers to himself as a, simply as a Christian, a husband, a father and a police officer, knowing that he's aware, knowing <laughs> cowing so that he's aware he is likely to be fired over this video. But I'm nonetheless ex- uh, exercising my free, First Amendment rights to free speech or to speak freely. He said he had fallen in line for over the year uh, with these useless, ineffective mask mandates, and I will no more. He said Oregonians should not have to follow unlawful orders threaten their li- that threaten their livelihoods should they not fall in line. I encourage you to look deep down and decide if you're going to fall in line as sheep or stand up for the rights we still have while we still have them. Wow, what a patriot. Fennell, uh, General Counsel for the Fraternal Order Police, said of Cowing, he knew what he was doing and he feels very strongly about this. He's aware of the possible ramifications. I can't predict what kind of enforcement action state police will take, he said, noting that uh, the agency must provide due process during the investigation uh, that, in his experience, can take several months. Uh, well past the governor's October 18th deadline for the state agency workers to get the vaccine or face possible dismissal. I think there are a significant number of troopers who feel similarly uh, to cowing uh, about the vaccination mandate. You know, imagine if a whole bunch of them quit. Oh, my goodness. No state police. <sighs> governor Brown, you're a moron. Um OSP, which stands for Oregon State Police Captain Stephanie Bigman, Big Man. <laughs> okay. Stephanie Big Man, the agency's public information officer, said they do not comment on personal investigations. Uh, Finnell provided the additional statements to uh, the sister station KGW Friday morning. Uh, Trooper Cowing expected at minimum that he would be reprimanded for making the video. Trooper Cowing has been assigned to patrol for for the entirety of his eight years with OSP, he's also a defensive tactics instructor. Ooh, cool. Trooper Cowing swore an oath to protect people's rights and freedoms. He felt it was important for him to stand up and speak for people who may not, who may be too afraid or unable to voice their opinions. In other words, he felt this issue was important enough to risk his job. The agency did not say anything and followed protocol when placing him on leave. 
His actions are not an objection to the vaccine, but to the governor's executive order that attempts to force state branch employee, uh, employees to be vaccinated or face termination. The views expressed in the video are those only of the of trooper knowing. However, many other troopers share his view. As far as the science that backs the effectiveness of the mask, he has studies. Uh, he has studied. He has seen studies from legitimate sources that cite both sides. There are also many current and historical studies as to continued mask use and their hindrance of human body natural healing and immunity. Trooper Cowling has had three, two or three bouts of flu-like symptoms and sickness over the last two years. He does not know if it was COVID, but he said his family live a life, healthy lifestyle and he wants to rely on his body's ability to fight the virus. He believes that should be a viable option without fear of punishment or discrimination. Uh, Trooper Cowling has also several friends and few family members that have had COVID and live to tell the tale. He does not discount the toll that it has taken on, on people, including some close to him. He has many fam friends who are, have taken a vaccine and support their choice to do so. Okay, and there's some tag words, but... Um, Man, what a patriot. I'm leaving that open so I can copy it later. Um, okay, folks. So there you have it. So we talked about the weaponization of medicine. It's clearly, clearly is happening. Um, about when you change laws, uh, all you got to do is change definitions, and then the law becomes um, – the law becomes uh, – valid because you've changed the definition and we used um, what the, the Nazis did in Germany uh, back in the 30s and 40s um, and we talked about people that are suing Oregon's government now there's a the hard part about this is that um, the Democrats have really or I should say the leftists um, have really cemented things here um, they control um, the governorship and they control both houses of the legislature. And um, also uh, the, the Supreme court leans to the left because many of the people that are in there or some of the people that are, in there, I should say, I don't want to say many um, were appointed by governor Brown. So, you know, talk about quid pro quo, you know, you appoint me to be judge. I'll, I'll have your back basically. And it's happened before. Um, it happened with the, uh, when the Republicans walked out and went to Idaho, you know, um, somebody tried to sue to have the governor's um, order for the uh, emergency declaration to be rescinded. And I think that's the, the, I don't even think the state looked at it a whole day, the, um, the Supreme court of Oregon. And they said, Nope, that's not good. And uh, it was thrown out. So it's hell or it's, it's hell here in Oregon trying to get anything good done because there's so many um, forces of wickedness and evil working against anybody who tries to do good. And uh, it's, you know, aside from putting uh, people in prison and uh, concentration camps, it's very close to what happened in Germany in the 1930s. Very, very close. Study your history. You'll see. Maybe your state's the same way. And I'm assuming if you live in uh, Washington, Oregon, California, um, some of the, co the states up in the Northeast, uh, a couple of them down in the southeast and um, and some other oh, other places like New Mexico um, that you can identify with what I'm talking about. So 
Anyway, folks, it's almost been an hour and 20 minutes, and uh, it's almost 1 o'clock, and I have to get going here. But uh, i got to get this at least on a rumble tonight and uh, maybe work on the audio files before I go to bed. So, folks, have a blessed uh, rest of the weekend. And uh, we're going to be back on Monday with Ralph Epperson. Uh, me and Brian will be talking to him about, um, well, the Kennedy assassination because those other things that we talked about last Monday kind of worked toward that. And uh, so we'll talk about that. And uh, now Ralph's quite adept about that subject. <laughs> He studied it for years and years and years. And, uh, well, he'll share with you what he's found. Uh, we did a show a while back with that, but you may not have heard it or seen it. Um, so we're going to do it again. I think the last time we did it, it was an audio. So uh, I could be wrong. But uh, anyway, folks, uh, be blessed. Have a good uh, rest of the weekend. And uh, may Yahweh watch over your going out and coming in, your rising up and your lying down. May he give you peace, tranquility, love in um, his holy, precious name, the name of his son, Yeshua HaMashiach, or Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen and amen. Um, Live long and prosper.